Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. It's August 25th, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and Tom Albrecht. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Something that we all need to remember and practice as we've looked past the uh, the past few days, or yeah, at the past few days, weeks even, uh, with union officers uh, having a problem in our union and other unions actually. Okay. Working for a Living is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and Listen Now. Also follow us on Twitter. I want to find my uh, brother Jeff, and he's here. Bring Jeff on. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, tell us about your week. I've got a couple things i got to do, so take a minute or two and do that, please. All right. Now, my week went like all the other weeks of my life. <laughs> Didn't do much of anything. The weather finally broke here, um, I think, Thursday. Temperatures starting to cool. Trees are turning colors. And fall is on its way. And football season is just around the corner. So I'm looking forward to watching the Wolverines play this year against the little brother, uh, Michigan State. But um, it's been quiet here in Flat Rock. Not much is going on. But I have been following what has been going on at the international and watching what's been going on in regards to their duties or lack of duties that they've been doing. And so that's how my week has gone. It's been very quiet. Uh, that's the way I like it. Um, well, that's good, Jeff. Uh, that's 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 who uh, uh, had kind of a quiet week. Then it's been it's been pleasant. It hasn't been as hot uh, this year or this week rather uh, as it has been. So uh, that's uh, uh, a, a good thing um, around here. Uh, I uh, actually took a, a moment and. Uh, 
prepared that uh, picnic table again. I used some alcohol so it would etch the previous coat a little bit, and then I sprayed a thin coat as a second coat so it's nice and protected for the winter now, and I'm done. But as you, in, as I indicated, I had to prep it a little bit and clean it and etch it in the case of a, uh, putting it over a first coat that's just recent and then spray another one. Uh, so I couldn't spray it until I prepared it properly. And that'll be kind of one of the answers for one of the emails that came in. So um, let me, uh, we have another guest, uh, I believe we'll bring him on here and see how his week's going on. Uh, there he is. Uh, Tom, how are you doing this week? Is anything going on there in your neck of the woods? understand uh, there's football going on around in uh, Youngstown. That, of course, is known for that down there. Yeah, I just got home, as a matter of fact, uh, from uh, Canfield. My grandson just got uh, uh, finished playing. They uh, were served up with their first loss of the season, but a very well-played game by two fine uh, youth football teams. Those uh, young men out there uh, give their hot heart and soul even though they're small they're they're playing uh playing like big time players as far as his grandpa's concerned but uh they're now two and one and uh gerard uh, uh beat them 20 to 8 today and uh, a really good football game uh for both teams uh oh. weather's changing a little bit down here leroy it's getting cold at night and about ready to close up the swimming pool the way the weather's been the last couple nights other than that Everything's fine down here in Youngstown, Ohio. Well, cool. We we still have a little little uh, warm weather, so I wouldn't get too too quick on the pool. But uh, we'll still have some 80 degree days. It's get this is just a little cool front coming through. We we got to about 75 today, but it's 54 here last night. So uh, so that's you know it, it's changing. Things are changing, and uh, uh, the tomatoes are finishing out in uh, maybe a couple more weeks, maybe three, four at the most with those. So anyhow, uh, let's get to the announcements. Uh, and uh, I believe everybody's got their, their uh, thing. Uh, you want to do every third one? I'll start. And then uh, Jeff and then Tom, you want to do three and six? And then we'll finish it up there. We're done. This is the announcement portion of the show. And I will... Uh, started off by saying working for a living, uh, the first one, uh, continues to show support for Medicare for everyone, to support the end of corporations being considered as legal citizens, to support the UAW's boycott of Mexico, built uh, Chevy Blazer, and we vehemently oppose the Detroit Three corporations outsourcing and moving work out of the United States while they continue to market the United States market in the United States. Somebody sent me a message here. Uh, no, we're good. Uh, so, Jeff? Uh, number two, thank you to all of our new listeners. Please keep telling just one friend a week about a humble show. Again, many thanks to all of our listeners. August 22nd, uh, Del Monte closes four factories, fires workers despite getting $8 million from Mr. Trump's tax cuts. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Uh, On August 21st, a 70-count indictment was filed. uh, Charges against IBEW officer Brian 
Achilleo, his wife Marilyn Achilleo, and his sister-in-law Jennifer Estension. So it's not just going on in the UAW. We have the Labor Department working overtime against unions. Jeff? Uh, number five, August 22nd, billionaire David Cook died. Now, he's no friend to the working class, so uh, him and Mr. David Rockefeller are both gone. So, that's what I got to say. May they rest in peace wherever they wind up. Tom? Number six, August the 22nd, the U.S. Treasury, 10 year. Uh, two-year year uh, yield curve inverted for the third time in two weeks. Also, the 10-year, three-month, has been inverted since mid-May of 2019. Okay, thank you. That's kind of important. We're seeing some market action behind all of that. Uh, What it means is banks are less likely to loan money out at a 10-year mark or up up to the 10-year mark. So they'll loan uh, lesser terms, and that means that there's probably a recession coming. The professors watch this two-year versus the three-month, and that's just uh, everybody should know such things. I mean, not everybody is, is tuned into this. We report it so that you can, you know, act accordingly. I mean, we don't tell you what to do, but you should be aware of such things because, uh, you know, you might want to make some adjustments in your in your life regarding that. Uh, number seven, uh, August 23rd, the U.S. has 500,000 fewer jobs as re- as a readjusted number is published. Uh, that was published Saturday, and uh, that's uh, not been received well uh, in the marketplaces. Uh, many thanks to all of our worldwide investigative reporters. Uh, we really appreciate everything you send in to us, uh, and uh, from, from time to time we get a, not just an announcement from you, but also an email, uh, and we appreciate all of those. Uh, so uh, let me start with the first one, and then we'll go through the email. Similar, there's six of them looks like, so we'll do one, two, three, one, two, three, so, or four, five, six. Uh, uh, number one, we believe Jewel got a slap on the hand, and we feel helpless to give him more than just that. Names withheld. We heard a lot of that, uh, the membership really feeling a little uh, uh, helpless to do anything more. We're going to talk about that more on, on the show, uh, and you'll you'll see that there's some things that uh, occur just because of the convictions, and just know that. So, so Jeff? Number two, we enjoy your real-life examples of your union experience, sometimes expressed by Jeff and Leroy. Please let us hear more of those experiences, the name withheld. And we will be doing that later in the show. Yeah. Tom? Uh, Number three, can a local union really cease to exist if there is no longer any production being done at that facility? Names withheld. Uh, the uh, charter uh, says as much, and the language surrounding the charter in the UAW Constitution says as much. Uh, we'll wait to see. We have at least 
two, I believe, local unions that have ceased to uh, have production at their facility, and we'll see how their uh, those local unions fare in this uh, model here. Uh, follow up question, I think. Um, oh no, this is uh, number number four. We are glad that you recognized and thanked David Green in the in, in the last show from received from many listeners. You know, Brother Green, as president of both 1714 and 1112, did amazing work at both those local unions. Uh, and uh, too much to, to say on this uh, one show, uh, but uh, we're pleased to recognize him uh, as a good union brother and uh, having done really good work at the uh, local unions that he was president at. He's moved on to a different local now, so we wish him well. So. Jeff? Number five, is it true that a letter needs to be sent to management indicating the local intentions to continue the contract after the expiration date, the name withheld? Yes, that is true. We talked about it last week on the show. We already went into real good details of what needs to be done. Uh, yeah, it's required by the uh, collective bargaining agreement, national agreement. Uh, Tom? Yeah, number six. Uh, Leroy, what did you mean by using the example of a picnic table named with L? This <laughs> is one person who kind of <laughs> wearied me on that. So, uh, uh, Well, uh, you know, kind of like what I said in, the, in, in my opening remark as we opened the show, uh, you know, if you're going to be in serious negotiations with an entity or a group of people uh, that uh, represent an entity, then you really need to prepare it. Now, I, I use the example of the picnic table because, you know, I, I did a lot of things with that picnic table before I actually put the, the coat of stain on it. And the same thing this week. I actually did it a little bit differently because I used alcohol so I could etch into the previous one. That that comes from my experience as a painter at at uh, General Motors at Oldsmobile at that time. At that time, uh, and so, uh, uh, notwithstanding, I was also a welder. So let's keep all of that correct too. Uh, not just that. Uh, so, um, uh, welder hand and arc, to be clear. Uh, so the uh, uh, notion that you have to spend a little time. Well, in this case, in that case, it was a lot of time with all those executive board members of that hospital. And then you give them a final opportunity, ones that didn't meet with us, and see what they got to say. And once they're done, then we took our action. We, we essentially uh, sprayed the, the stain on them, you know, like the picnic table we sprayed stain on. And, uh, we just started down the, the road uh, taking a look at each one of their businesses, and the first one uh, caved in within two hours because we said – if you, uh, this was the funeral director that was uh, the uh, uh, chairperson of the uh, executive board, the, the eight-person executive board that was part of the larger uh, general board of the hospital, uh, and uh, we picked on him uh, and uh, said, if you're, if you lived a union life, don't be buried by a union buster, and that's, you know, you can find that. Uh, article, I believe, in uh, the May edition of the Lansing Labor News of uh, 1994. Uh, 
and it goes into some detail about why. Uh, and uh, so uh, that came out at 10, and, you know, at noon, he resigned from the board and he, anything to do with the hospital. So we were, uh, at that point, we were successful in those negotiations, and the nurses got everything, and the president and his local got everything they demanded, and the nurses were indeed certified uh, as registered nurses, uh, uh, union nurses, and they enjoy the full benefits of union wages and benefits uh, till, still today. Uh, so that's that's why we use or I use the uh, the the example of a picnic table, and I kind of followed up with it a little bit today because it was a little different that I did today or this weekend than I did last weekend. So follow up negotiations would be a little different with uh, doing it more with a uh, uh, HR department rather than the executive board. So it's a, again to indicate that it's a little different negotiation when you're doing uh, with dealing with uh, HR rather than the board itself. So that's why uh, that uh, we did that. So thank you very much for that. Okay, uh, uh, this week's uh, web, uh, definition that we have. This week's definition is uh, uh, the uh, NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board. What what is it? The NLRB was created by the Wagner Act of 1935 for the purpose of administering the National Labor Relations Act. There are five members that sit on that board, of the National Labor Relations Board, uh, and uh, one that expires on August 27. 2023 is currently vacant. Now, I might stand corrected on that because this is the latest thing uh, that we had on it in uh, the Internet uh, um, reference materials. So that one may have been filled recently. I just can't recall off the top of my head. But there are four that we know are filled. And, again, that one expires August 27, uh, 2023, and that's an appointment uh, current that's uh, pending or just, just recently uh, uh, been uh, filled. The other four are Lauren McFerrin, and she has a D next to her name, meaning she's a Democratic appointment. Her term expires December 16, 2019. That's going to be up at the end of this year. So there'll be another Republican appointee because the president appoints these okay, uh, members of the board. William Emanuel, uh, R next to his name, August 22nd, 27th, 2021, his term expires. That would be the next one. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we have another one. Uh, John F. Ring, R next to his name, that means a Republican president appointed him. And that uh, term expires December 16th, 2022. And Marvin Kaplan, and there's an R meaning a Republican president appointed Marvin Kaplan, and that term expires August 27, 2020, next year. So there's two appointments uh, in the next uh, uh, year that are due by the president, the current president, and there's one vacant, or may not be vacant, that he still has. So he's going to appoint three by all, by if he does it on the, at the term end of the term, 
by this time next year, August 27, 2020. And the, that will make a complete Dem or a Republican board for the uh, National Labor Relations Board. And I must tell you, it's not going to be fun uh, under that circumstances. And it's going to take years to, to reverse that to get labor-friendly members on the board of the National Labor Relations Board. This is very important to everybody. You might not think it is, but they're making decisions that are not friendly, including that a company may come in and assess their workforce. And if they believe the union does not have majority support, they can request decertification without a vote. And these folks, they have to, you know, example that, but these folks would affirm that, these five Republicans, or, you know, three now, but there's going to be five uh, in December. They'll all be Republicans, but there's a Republican majority on it now, three to one, likely four to one very soon, if it's not already. I might have missed that. So any questions on uh, the uh, uh, definition this week with Jeff and Tom? No, I'm good. No. Okay. Uh, Jeff, this week's quote, please. Yes. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, you give him power. And that's by Abraham Lincoln. Thank you. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, contract language uh, and some of the things that uh, the membership wants out of this agreement, I'd uh, like to reiterate some of the things that we as a group are pushing to occur, and this is in the enforcement of the UAW Constitution, that these be, uh, we're asking for the Constitution to be enforced upon these matters. Uh, and we would hope that these are uh, very important to all members, but also uh, very important to the national bargaining team and the approving authority, the International Executive Board, and all of the executive officers on that, to, to include all the executive officers on that. So, and that's a uh, complement of 14 people. Uh, so everybody that's negotiating and all of the approving authorities uh, are responsible that these uh, that Jeff is going to talk about in a second uh, uh, be done in this agreement. As they've all said, this is a blank slate agreement, clean slate agreement. So they're going to try and change those things that uh, are are bad. And uh, actually, most of these, uh, well, at least two of them, came in uh, in the to the degree that they are. Uh, the last 2015 agreement, and I believe they've all been in there since the 2007 agreement. Arguably, since 2007, there's been a question as to the um, validity of the agreements, uh, given all of the stuff that's been going on, and we're seeing uh, uh, convictions and sentencing of uh, people surrounding these agreements. Uh, that's not to say that there's any wrongdoing. There's pending litigation regarding that. Okay, Jeff, you want to just talk talk about those three things, please? 
number one, temporary language remaining in these contracts. This is in the Constitution. Article 13, Section 22. It shall be left to discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. Since they're work longer than three consecutive months, they should be made full-time. That's what that language speaks to. Number two, the competitive clauses, appendix K and GM, J and Ford, uh, we don't know which appendix in the FCA. Um, number three, the UAW Constitution states that we must enforce the laws. That does not mean we are put verbatim laws in the contract. Remove the Pension Production Act of 2006 from the 2019 contract. Uh, the ramifications charges for violation may be under the federal under the provisions of the UAW Constitution. And that's the three issues there. You're right. Right. Those are the ones we're pushing right now. There there may be others, but as we review whatever comes out, but we're telling everybody associated with negotiation of this contract cycle in all the Detroit Three who enforce the Constitution of the UAW upon the agreement. And the ramifications aren't just for any persons or parties associated from the union side. But management under the National Labor Relations Act recognizes this union of ours, the UAW, as the uh, exclusive bargaining agent. And as such, they accept our Constitution as well regarding matters that uh, affect the the collective bargaining agreement. For example, the uh, uh, no no more than three consecutive months for a, a work permit. That's for somebody that's not a seniority employee or a member. Okay? In other words, they should be given full seniority and membership status as soon as they get their three consecutive months in. And in the past, we've used that, and the language is still in there uh, for it to be 90 days. Appendix K is a competitive clause agreement that clearly violates in the interest of the membership that the, both federal law and the UAW Constitution says. And quite frankly, there's no uh, language in our collective bargaining agreement that belongs there that's, that's actually uh, a federal law. It's one thing to reference it, to put it verbatim into our contract so it may not be appealed is simply inappropriate, and that needs to be removed because that's the one, brothers and sisters, that takes uh, the pensions at at 80% funding for the pension. If it goes down, it cuts it by 50%. Should it go below 60, there's no pension. That doesn't belong in our agreement. We should have the right to challenge that law and appeal that law 
Congress or the Supreme Court or even the executive branch, as did the Teamsters very successfully appeal to the Treasury Department in their instance. So this doesn't belong in our contract so that it's automatic. Remove it. We know the law exists pretty much because of what we've been saying on here and on the Facebook uh, posts uh, and on this radio show. And this is uh, it's time for this to get removed. You should not. I, I'll tell you something. You, you ought to look out for yourself in this one. Do you really want to administer a union that takes and cuts the pensions automatically because of the contract of the retirees by 50% or 100%? Do you really want to administer a union that does that? You better pay attention. Sorry about that. This pops up every now and then. So, uh, Tom, do you have any comments on that? On the uh, examples you gave, absolutely correct on everything you said, Leroy. I'm 100% behind what you uh, uh, stated here. And uh, there's one other thing I would like to put in there, too, and, and, and it's sort of off-key off here, but uh, it is definitely a must in this uh, upcoming agreement for ratification that we need to look at one thing and one thing other than just the pensions and the, the few other things is allocation of product to our plants. The last several agreements, we have uh, looked at a signing bonus. I've scanned the Facebook pages and seen people, how much is the signing bonus? Do we get a signing bonus? Folks, it's time to wake up. Without plants, with allocation, that uh, signing bonus means nothing. If we don't have workers in these plants and they lay idle, we have nothing, nothing at all. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into some other things, Leroy, down uh, down the pike here tonight and, uh, and, and discuss them. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a free and open discussion so all our members can understand how important this agreement is to us. The plants are coming in with their strike votes now, and uh, they're, they're a pretty high percentage rate. I haven't seen one at 100%. I've seen one at 99.2, I believe it was. But... We've got to stick together, Ford Chrysler and General Motors, and we can get this thing done, Leroy, and uh, definitely make some other changes that are necessary in our great union without going to um, have other folks do it for us. I think we have the abilities with the Constitution and with many members out there who have stepped forward over the last several weeks, speaking their minds, trying to get people on base as to what this this year contract year really means to all of us. Correct, Tom. Jobs are number one. You're exactly right. A signing bonus won't you do you know won't do you a bit of good if you don't have a job. And just take a look around. Okay. Four years ago we had fifty two thousand active members. Today General Motors is the smallest UAW-represented entity between the Detroit Three. That means less than 37,000 because that's what FCA had four years ago, and they're about that now, unless they've increased a little. But we're just under FCA. That's a form of Chrysler for those of you who are still on, on that mindset. 
the FCA is around 37, maybe a little more or less, and General Motors is lower than that. That means roughly 15,000 of our members, active members, are no longer members. Do you want that to be you the next round? At that rate, at that rate, in two and a half contracts, General Motors won't exist for the UAW if you did a straight-line projection. So Tom is 100% correct. Let's not just look at the short-term money. Let's look at the long-term money. Okay, quite frankly, we're disappointed, and we've talked about it, that the UAW doesn't have a 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, and 50-year plan. And we just go from one contract to the next four years. We need to have it longer, and it needs to be in the interest of the members. And if we don't start talking about jobs instead of bonuses, signing bonuses, profit sharing, somebody, you know, I mean, I don't want to beat this one to death, but we saw that one article out there said that we should uncap profit sharing. One of the people that actually report on this said that, and uh, one of our teams said that if profit sharing had been uncapped for the last four contracts or so, it would have meant a total of 170 some dollars more money. And General Motors was the only one that didn't lose almost 90, well, what was it, 95% Nissan lost of the profits. They're down to 5% of what they had last year, quarter over quarter, or year over year quarter, rather. Uh, so, and Ford was down quite a bit. General Motors was the only one that had substantial profits. Okay, but that can change in a heartbeat. Of course, them forcing our members to do more with fewer members, 15,000 fewer members, also contributes to their profit that they're now talking about. But as I indicate, I'm, you know, this is comprehensive show not just myopic, we're talking about one thing. We indicated that maybe a recession's in the future, okay? Now, we talked about the 10-year Treasury being inverted. That means less likely to loan money beyond the two-year uh, uh, Treasury note. So what are car notes now? Up to 96 months, right? Is that eight years? What's the inverted curve going to do to auto loans? Think about it, brothers and sisters. You need to think beyond signing bonus, just like Tom said. Okay? Uncapping profit sharing ought to be one of the last things on the planet that we're looking for right now. 
So whoever that author was, I hope you're listening to this show. Because in a downturn market, it's not going to mean a damn thing. And we gave up something to get that? No. We'd rather get something that's more substantial. So having said that. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, Jeff, you got any more comment on that or not? No, you guys hit it on, on the head. Okay. We're going to now call on you, brother, to give your uh, example, a real-life example from your past union experience. You go. All right. I was elected um, district committee person in 1996. At that time, our plant was called Auto Alliance, and we got paid by Auto Alliance. We had our own local agreement. We did fall under the Ford National Agreement. And in March 1997, a year into my term, that was when Ford took us over. Um, We had a vote to become Ford members. If we didn't, uh, the International held it over our heads that we may not get another vehicle. So what they wanted, um, Ford wanted to close the um, Lorraine assembly plant where they made the, the Cougar and the T-Bird. And they wanted to put the Cougar in our plant. So we voted in 1997 to become Ford members. And then we got our, our pay from Ford Motor Company. Even though the name on the building still said Auto Alliance. What had happened was when we were Auto Alliance Mazda, we had uh, attendance policy that was called no fault. That didn't need any reason for your absence. Five days was considered one occurrence. Okay, and after 10 occurrences, you would lose your job. So when Ford came in, they had, we had to follow their attendance policy in the national agreement, which addressed people with less than 10 years seniority in the plant. And at the time, most of my coworkers and I were on the verge of 9 or 10 years seniority. The contract said that they only talked about people with under 10 years seniority to be written up for attendance. So I had a few of them, people who were under 10 years. And, but I had also a lot of folks who were had more than 10 years. And since the language in the contract, there was no language on how to deal with people with more than 10 years. Um, I had an employee or a co-worker who was really going through some tough times in his life, and he was missing a lot of work due to it. And HR wanted to write him up for attendance. And I says, show me in the national agreement where 
it addresses people with more than 10 years seniority. Well, there was no language. So every time they wanted me to write him up, I kept saying no. And I wouldn't do it. Um, for almost a year and a half, that went on. And uh, so I saved this guy from uh, being fired. And I just laughed all the way to the bank. Because my chairman, who is now the Region 1A director, when they went in negotiations, they came back and said, people with 10 years can't get written up. So I went by that. And the guys in HR just hate to deal with this issue. Because I, I refuse to uh, sit down and discuss anything on attendance with this gentleman. Um, so, but there was a time that had to come where we had to address it. Um, but it was just funny just watching HR, just their eyes were just bulging out of their head at me sometimes because they wanted this guy so bad. And like I said, he's, he's still working as far as I know unless he took a buyout. But uh, that was the highlight of my time, right, in that time period. You know, I refused to sit down with anybody with more than 10 years seniority or attendance write-ups. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, Leroy. That sounds pretty good, <laughs> Jeff. That's, that's two jobs you've saved in two weeks. That's pretty good, brother. Uh, we appreciate all yeah. you did, you know, and, and the story that you're able to now tell. And you said that that uh, uh, that regional director is now, uh, that person is now regional director of Region 1, yes. right? Yeah. Our, our chairman during my term as a committee man, uh, yes, that he is now regional director of 1A, 1A, which is located yeah. in Taylor, Michigan. Yeah. Interesting. And yet they get promoted. Uh, okay. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Tom, do you have anything that you care to share? Yeah, I'll be real brief here. Uh, it, uh, okay. Back in the 90s, uh, a couple of characters came up to me and wanted me to run for a political office. And I said, political office? I didn't know we had politics in the plan. No, they said, this is for alternate commitment. We want you to be an alternate commitment. And I said, oh, is that, is that political then? I, do I have to register as a Democrat, Republican, or independent? And uh, the guy said, no. I said, well, I know very little about this, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put my name into nomination and see what, what I could do. I, I was running against a guy who had been in there for three terms, and it was only an alternate committeeman's job, so I figured I couldn't do any damage or hurt anybody by running for it even if I did win so I got a call uh, on election night uh, about two o'clock in the morning actually the day after and uh, the zone man called me on the phone and said congratulations Tom you are now the new alternate uh, in district eight uh, second shift and I said to him well thanks but I said I think uh, 
I need more than a congratulations. I think you need to pray for me because what the hell did I get myself into this time? But uh, needless to say, uh, the experience was great. Uh, great people I worked with that helped me. Uh, I was a uh, welder operator in a fabricating plant, and uh, I, uh, the district consisted of inspectors and material handling people. And those folks, uh, anytime I didn't understand it, I went out there and I told those folks, listen, I, I ran for this job to help you guys, and without your help, I can't help you. And everyone, every one of those folks appreciated what I had to say to them, and I was shocked. And I finally... Uh, I asked the one guy, why why are you uh, uh, expressing how grateful it was that I said that to you? They said, well, we always had people that came down here and won these spots thinking they, they knew everything. Well, I said, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I hope to learn every day. And the day I learn everything about what this job's all about, I guess I'm not any good anymore, so I'm going to have to move up the ladder. But... Uh, that, that that's my experience. Uh, it, it was a great experience. People are, were great to me, helped me, and for the most part, uh, we got along uh, very well with uh, our brothers and sisters out there in reference to our battles and wars with management, and there were many of those, believe me when I tell you that. But uh, I can't tell you how appreciative I was to have been, had that opportunity to uh, provide services to the membership and when I could I delivered if I couldn't I kept on trying and then to get a, a resolution to anybody's problem out there on the floor and it was gratifying for most uh, in most cases didn't win all the time but uh, we tried and that, that was the most important thing that's it boy Leroy okay well thank you Tom uh, we appreciate it that you know that's your initiation to start all of that and then of course it's uh, anybody that listens to the show pretty regular to know that you went on to be a, a shop a shop committee person, zone person in your uh, facility. So that uh, speaks and highly of you and bodes well for your abilities to represent the members in the interest of the membership. Uh, well, you know, I, I have a lot of experiences, and uh, I'll do one myself tonight before I give my report. And then we're going to talk about uh, just what the labor code says about uh, anybody that's been convicted, and, and we'll get into that uh, pretty good. Anyhow, I uh, I was never elected committee, but I functioned as a committee person uh, a lot uh, because we had uh, the uh, every three years at the time we had about six months when the uh, committee, the shop, uh, district shop, would be in negotiations. And that was, you know, constant from likely uh, June. Uh, when we started up, they'd take some time just to formulate everything, get it all together, and they started meeting as a group. And then when they were in negotiations after the 15th, well, no, I'm sorry, after when they start back then, they started, you know, in the Ju 1st of July sometime, late late June. So they would be negotiating, and then we wouldn't have a local agreement for quite a while, so they really didn't come back to the floor, sometimes 
for a year, year and a half, because they just refused to get an agreement. So they were gone. Then you'd have the alternate that would function uh, as a regular uh, committee. And if the alternate was gone, especially on the afternoon shift when I worked there, uh, they'd always ask me to do it because I did a pretty good job. So I functioned as committee quite a bit, just so that you know, uh, not without that experience. And I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I'm okay, I suppose. Uh, one night, uh, we were working overtime, and it was uh, mandatory overtime. And they had mandated uh, even a Sunday because they declared emergency and said, we got to get these parts. This is in a parts warehouse. Uh, we had to get these parts to the customer. And we have an emergency situation because we're so far behind that we need to get this this out, these parts to the customers. And we all understood that. This one particular fellow asked for a day off to go see his mom, who was ailing, and he didn't want to uh, have a problem. And they refused him. And <laughs> I don't know why they did that, but... They refused him. So, uh, you know, it was a, a reasonable re request by one individual. Nobody else was, you know, clamoring. And we all kind of supported him. Hey, you want to go see your mom? Go ahead. Well, when they refused him, he fought for a little while, and then he went over and just started in on the supervisor, calling the supervisor all kind of stuff and, you know, doing just about as much as you dare get away with without actually hitting the supervisor. And the supervisor puts him on notice, and we get a, I get a call, and I go, and we have uh, a meeting between him and I, okay, because that's what you're supposed to do first. You don't listen to management, right? So, and I'm not going to say any names either, by the way. So we're not, and this is long ago, and, and uh, it could be anybody. But uh, so uh, I asked him, I says, well, you know, what's going on? He told me the same story, and I just want some time off. I need to see my mom. I says, okay. Well, how much time would you like to have off? He says, what do you mean? I says, how much time would you like to have off to go see your mom? He says, well, I'd like, you know, really three days. I says, okay. So then we go in, and management has their 76A, and uh, we we listen. And, you know, I, I tell him, I says, I don't know why he did this, because now he's going to have time off anyhow, and, you know, all you did go through a machination you shouldn't have to do if you just let him have a day off now. You, you sit here and you want to discipline him more, you know, for more, because we know what's on his record. And we oppose you doing this. And we feel you should just give him the time off rather than pursue discipline that's going to give him time off anyhow, right? Well, they terminated their 76A interview, and he and I went outside, and they said, just just be a few minutes. I said, okay. And then they called us back in, and they gave them a discipline. And I told them, don't say anything. Uh, before we went in, I said, don't say anything. 
let me do the talking if anything needs to be said, and don't sign anything. Okay, so prepped him with that. So we go in, and they have balance of shift in a week. So, uh, you know, they push it over for him to sign it. He pushes it back just like I instructed him to do. He didn't say anything. And I looked at him, and I said, you guys are despicable doing this to this man just because he wanted to see his mom. I don't know how you look yourself in the face in the mirror in the morning. Some of you, you know, people go to church every every day. There's several people in there, not just one or two. I don't know how you look yourself in the mirror, and I don't know how you can claim to be going to church all the time and doing this to this man like this. So we go outside, and uh, at this facility, they didn't walk you out. So I walked walked downstairs. It was an upstairs conference meeting room. And I looked at him. He's, he's angry that he got a week. And I looked at him, and I says, now you said three days, right? He said, yeah, three days. Said, you got a week off in your hand, right? I said, yeah, you don't want that much, do you? No, I need you know, I need to be back in here working. I mean, I just need to see my mom a little bit. I says, okay. Would you be happy if you had to serve the, uh, or you got the week on your record, but you only served three days? Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I says, okay. Well, we'll try and get it re- reduced like that, and as soon as you go... 30 days, we'll come back at him and ask him to reduce that further. But right now, we're going we're gonna to work on this because after you get a little time between now and the discipline, we can, we can uh, ask them to re- reduce what your next progression would be because he already had three days on his record. So I go upstairs. He said, I said, I'll, I'll be back and you'll get your three days. He said, you can't do that. I said, watch. So I go upstairs and I look at him. I said, you know, I hope you guys thought about what I said in the 76A because you're you're wrong. Now, you need him in the plant or you wouldn't have refused him in the first place. So let's do this. Week on the record and three days off. You report after the third day. Deal. Done. Okay, I'll write it up. On your word, that's what it is. Yes. I walked down, told him, get your three days. Go see your mom. You'll be back here the fourth day, okay? He said, how the hell did you do that? I said, just know that we we got it done. He says, well, thank you. and uh, I really appreciate what you did for me and get me some time off to see my mom. And I says, now you got to deal with this discipline. you got to keep it together for a few months here. And then we'll we'll go after him and get it to reduce it back to three days, okay? On the record, that is. So he said, "Yeah, but it's going to take us some time. You, you know, I'll walk you out to your car. Just make sure nobody messes with you between here and there, all right?" So I walked him out, and uh, he was real grateful. He come back after he come back. He come up to me and says, "Thank you for for doing that for me." So. You see, it's how you handle management, 
Remember, I set him up in the 76A as being despicable human beings that needed him and him working. And then I went in and got what we needed, what he wanted. Actually, not what I wanted, what he wanted in the end. What he expressed to me is what he wanted. I was able to walk back in that office and tell them that they need to be fair about this because of what they are doing. Yeah, you made your point, but you need them, and we want them back. So they agreed. Remember, I set them up. Remember that we had to prepare the, the picnic table, right? So I set them up in the 76A. That's the preparation. Then when I went back in, I had him in right in the spot where I wanted him, and we got what he wanted. And he, to this day, if I see him, he always says, hey, thanks, I never thought you could do that. So that's my story. That's one of them. Lots of them like that. Uh, pretty pretty happy to serve the membership. Now remember, that was in the interest of the member. Okay. Nobody wanted to see him disciplined, but we wanted the best outcome for him. He actually wanted some time off. He got the time off that he wanted. He kept his nose clean. We reduced it down, and he wound up nothing on his record after a year. Okay? So just know it can be done, brothers and sisters. you gotta, you got to plan it, and you got to know how to manipulate and get what you want for the membership. Okay. Any questions, uh, Tom or Jeff? No, I have no. Tom, you had you, did you have something, Tom, or not? No. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. Anyhow, it's just one of those success stories. Not the best thing that happened, but it was the best for him. He got what he wanted. Okay. Here we go, folks. Uh, we've had. Uh, one union officer uh, convicted, pled guilty, and was sentenced on August 5th. We've had another indictment, and that's expected to have a, a guilty plea on the 27th, Tuesday. A lot of people out there are saying we want to take their pension, we want this, and we want that done to them. We don't want them doing anything ever again with the union. Okay? So, as regarding the pension, okay, the pension under ERISA, federal law protecting pensions, is protected. In fact, anybody that attempts to take somebody's pension away, even attempts to take their pension away, may be charged with a felony for doing that. Okay? So the pension is likely going to remain intact. Anybody tries to mess with it is going to go to jail for violating ERISA. All right, so then what? As it turns out that it's not just the criminal code that affects these people, it's also the labor code. 
and under 29 U.S.C., okay, 20, Title 29, U.S. Code, Section 504, okay, felons may not, or I'm sorry, they are barred from any, well, from holding office for 13 years subsequent to the end, the discharge of their sentence. Okay, so if you have 18-month sentence, at the end of the 18-month sentence, it's 13 years. Now, I'm going to read this all to you so you'll know, okay, what it says. But in the case of the, uh, I don't know how to call him brother, uh, of the, the uh, person that was uh, sentenced on August 5th to 18 months, Okay, that person, at the end of the time, he's obviously going to be in jail for 18 months, roughly. And at the end of 18 months, three year, 13 years subsequent to that, barred from holding office in any, or functioning in any capacity as uh, in the union. Now, let's get into the language here. Well, and the other other party. Uh, should that party actually plead guilty, that's guilty to a felony. So then the, the sentencing will be sometime in the future. And then at the end of that sentencing, this person's 65. Okay, so it's likely to be 66. Okay, and then however long... And the, uh, I know you think it's a slap on the hand, but let me tell you this as well. Sentencing guidelines for somebody that's never convicted or never committed or been convicted of a felony in the past are very low. They can only give them so much. Maximum, according to what's called sentencing guidelines. Okay. And because of the labor law that bars them from any act or holding officer in any capacity, uh, functioning in any capacity uh, in the union, okay, once they're convicted of a felony, certain felonies, then uh, they may not um, participate in the union. Essentially, they're barred from participation in a holding office or uh, uh, permitted or, and are uh, barred from being permitted to serve in any capacity, okay? <laughs> and a penalty for violating that is $10,000 or five years in prison or both, okay? And since they have one under their belt, this would probably be maxed out should they violate this. So we're going to be real clear on all of this, because I'm going to read it to you now, all right? Because, and then we'll go over some of the things you've been asking for that are already covered in this, all right? So let's do this. Title 29, U.S. Code 504, prohibition against certain persons holding office, okay? A, membership in the Communist Party, persons convicted of robbery, bribery, etc. Bribery, 
Okay, this we heard that word in this uh, person that may uh, that was indicted uh, last week or weekend, week and a half ago. So we heard that word. Um, it says no person uh, bribery, etc. No person who is or has been a member of the Communist Party or who has been convicted of or served any part of a prison term resulting from his own conviction of robbery, bribery, extortion, embezzlement, grand larceny, burglary, arson, violation of narcotics laws. We know all about that, don't we, Jeff? Yes, we do. Murder. Yeah, we do, brother. Murder, rape, assault with intent to kill, assault which inflicts grievous bodily harm, or a violation of subchapter 3 or 4 of this chapter, any felony involving abuse, or this is the one that's pertinent here, any felony involving abuse or misuse of such person's position or employment in a labor organization or employee benefit to seek or obtain any illegal gain at the expense of the members of the labor organization. That's an or. Or the beneficiaries of the employee benefit plan or conspiracy to commit any such crimes or attempt to commit any such crimes or crime in which any of the the foregoing crimes is an element shall serve or be permitted to serve, okay? Now, remember, at the beginning of this, it said, no person who is or has, and then it lists everything, and then it means shall serve or be permitted to serve, Uh, and then it goes through a whole list of stuff. And number five is in the capacity, other than in his capacity as a member of such labor organization, that involves decision-making authority concerning or decision-making authority over or custody of or control of monies, assets, funds, assets, property under any labor organization. Again, the penalties uh, for violation of this, any person who willfully violates this section shall be fined not more than $10,000 or $10,000 or imprisoned for not more than five years or both. Okay. So the issues come up that some of these folks uh, have stepped down without being in all of this capacity and went on to be a consultant collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars. As I read this, it's possible that they're violating too because it says um, uh, conspiracy to commit such crimes or attempt attempt to commit such crimes. Okay. They're, they're barred from ever holding office. Barred. And there are people seeking office that this may apply to. This section. Okay, so can they receive any monies other than their pension? In any capacity, no, according to this, no. Can they be a consultant? No. Can they function as an officer at the international or local level or be on any 
council, committee, or board regarding this? The answer, it says in any capacity. They're barred from any capacity. The answer is no. Okay, so they're left with their membership, and that's it. That's it. Good, bad, or indifferent, and we're talking about it. We're talking about it. But right now, pretty much everything that the membership's asking for is already in federal law, barring them from doing. Okay. I hope you understand that. The pension's protected, and this chapter, this section of Title 29 U.S. Code 504, this section bars them from any participation in the union. And you know this radio show and our group has stood up to corruption at every level, and we will be watching. We will be watching for any entity that any one of these people may control that might be taken advantage of union monies or union decisions even. We're watching. We know how to find them, what they control, and they better not be participating. I don't care what organizations they belong to. They better not violate this code. We will find out, and we will hold you to account. Now, I'm going to ask if that was enough, uh, and also uh, any questions. Uh, was that, did that clearly, you know, uh, cover this section as you know it? Uh, and uh, any questions or comments you might have, we'll start with Tom. No, I think you did a good job with covering that section, but uh, there's, there's, there's several things that pop into my mind as far as uh, obligations uh, down the road, not just what's currently happening here in regards to us policing ourselves and uh, changing the mechanisms that have allowed this to go on for decades. Uh, if you uh, monitor all the Facebook pages and what have you, we uh, – Obviously, see folks out there wanting the one man, one vote, and uh, you know there's different avenues we could take. And I wanted to ask you a question because uh, under fi- uh, 504, uh, under the uh, with, with with what's coming down, and and as the uh, onion gets peeled here, we see that we're going up the ladder, so to speak. That quite possibly somewhere down the road uh, uh, there may be some mechanism here for the federal government to step in with a consensus decree that uh, will pretty much uh, take it out of most folks' hands and they'll reach some sort of settlement down the road. And uh, people are clamoring 
we don't have the tools or the where for all to get to where we want to go as a union. Let's be honest with one another. The union is all of us, and and it's the the youngest member to the most senior member uh, from elected and non-elected people. Uh, I just have this question, and maybe you can clear this up, Leroy, for us here. Uh, When we go back to the situation with the Teamsters, I believe that was settled under uh, a a consent decree issued by the federal government to oversee and control the Teamsters Union as a whole uh, back in, I believe it was 1989, if I'm not correct. And they filed this under the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. Uh, And uh, is there much of a difference in, in, in what we're seeing transpiring today in the news media with what's happening to our union officials and, and and as we peel that onion back, we're seeing more and more that this may happen and which way is the best way to go. Uh, that's my question to you, Leroy, to help me get this straight in my mind and probably hundreds of other people out there that are listening. Okay. Well, you're asking me for answers that are, you know, kind of hypothetical, but I'll give you my opinion on it. Uh, First of all, uh, what they did with the Teamsters uh, in that consent decree, uh, let's first define what a consent decree is. That's where there's legal action filed and both parties agree. They consent to the agreement, okay? So both parties agreed to this. So the Teamsters who were left agreed to essentially have receivership that's where the government come in and ran the Teamsters for a period of time. And even after they began to have elections, after about three years, uh, two or three years, I, I, you know, the time frame, I, I actually lived through this, so I, I uh, uh, was friends of uh, two of the uh, persons that monitored the election. I think it was, I've, I'm, I'm going to say it was 92 uh, so that would have been, if they filed this in 88, that would have been four years. Uh, if it's 89, it would have been three years. So wh- however long that is, they had the dissent, consent decree, a dec- decree that both parties agreed to, both the federal government, Department of Justice, and the Teamsters Union. That's a consent decree. And that was, they agreed to be run by the government for a period of time because it was so bad. Um, and then uh, they, uh, uh, the, the government came in and changed their constitution uh, during that period of time to because that's provided there's only two types of election you can have at the international level, and that's that's in another section here. It's in the 500 series actually, uh, I think 501 uh, that d- deals with elections. Okay. And those elections can either be one person, one vote, commonly called one man, one vote. And so, but now, you know, we got to be PC here, right? So one person, one vote, one member, one vote, okay? Or the federal law provides for a delegate convention system. That's what we have currently. 
okay? And, and uh, by the way, none of this is scripted, okay? So, so the, the uh, government come in, because they were on a delegate convention system, the Teamsters at one, uh, and then they changed it to a one-member, one-vote. And again, I had two friends that were assigned. These are retired international staff members of the UAW that were assigned to go and monitor the election to assure, assure that it was a valid election and there were no uh, uh, fuzzy counting or uh, unethical tax, tactics being done. Uh, you want to have your local get mad at you. You uh, get every time you get a le- uh, run for election, you you get three challengers. They can only be they're only one allowed at a time, but you get three because no one person can stay up all that time because they spell them on the election committee even. But you get three and you take the full election and you, you make them watch that ballot box. Somebody's eyes are on the ballot box and on the sign-in sheet all the time, and that will drive your local union just nuts, okay? Just saying, right? It's always been good, right, to be checking. So uh, then, you know, then they had their election, and they stayed in receivership uh, for longer than I thought. I I stand corrected, but I think Tom told me it was clear into just about – uh, five or six years ago, uh, that they finally got out of receivership, even though they've been holding elections on their own. Uh, they uh, they didn't have them monitored like that first one was, uh, but they were still having their finances and everything monitored by the Department of Justice for a very long time. So there's a precedent for uh, kind of what's going on. Now, Tom talks about the onion being peeled back. Uh, we in our group know and we've published at least two documents that an LETC paid upwards or or something over, upwards or over 30,000 to president and treasurer two years in a row. So two checks for arguably 30 plus or just under 30 uh, were written, one to the president of the UAW and one to the treasurer. And this was in 11 and 12, as I recall. Uh, and uh, that happened two years. So 60,000 were expended, 30 each to those two individuals that were serving at the time. You go check that, who they were. We're not going to name names right now. Um, that's under some scrutiny by the FBI. Uh, there's 54 of those LETCs in the nation that I know of, one in every state, including Utah, where we don't have a UAW presence, and four in Michigan. So that makes be 53, I'm sorry. No, yeah, 53. I'm, there's 53. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, referenced from... Uh, Skip Hanline, who's been the monitor of such things for decades, has 16 four-drawer file cabinets in his home as he monitors this. 
and shout out to uh, Brother Bill Skip Hanline for doing all of that work so that others might be held to account by and through his work. We thank you. And that actually those documents came from him. So I want to make sure that we give absolute credit to having having those documents. By the way, in that year, that was the Labor Education Training Corporation, and not one penny was spent for education of a member, only the two checks to the two officers. Okay, so, and we have some more information on all of that. There's at least two other things that are out there that we're not going to get into. We're not going to beat up our union here too much. We're talking about what may occur and that there's an onion there, and we're just seeing the outer skin of the onion so far. Uh, just so you know, I believe that uh, the actions this month are intended to make sure that everybody at the negotiating table knows that the Department of Justice is watching closely. And I know they watch this show, or listen to the show, rather. So they know that we're asking the contract constitution of the UAW be enforced. Okay. So if they get to a point, and likely going to be after the contract is negotiated, presented for ratification, and ratified or not, once that is done, I think that they're going to go forward with more. Okay, but that's just my opinion right now. We don't know. Okay, so the Justice Department could stay with a delegate convention, which they did not do in the Teamsters case, or they could go to a one-member, one-vote. We're a much larger union with a lot more money than the Teamsters. We have arguably about a million one with the actives and the retirees who can vote. I, I, I had actually last night I had a long conversation with one of our members in the wee hours in the morning. As I oh no, it was yesterday it was afternoon. I'm sorry. Usually he and I talk about late late at night, but it was in the afternoon yesterday, and we. We wrote about I wrote about it back and forth, and then we actually talked on the phone for a minute. This is yesterday. We had somebody else we talked to today on a different issue. We might even hint on that a little bit. Uh, so, but uh, the conversation was, you know, is one man, one vote better or worse than delegate convention system? And arguably... They're both bad, especially in a larger union. You see, here's the problem. You need to communicate with every member that you're running for office or your team is running for office. Every member, say 11, we'll just round it to a million. Okay, to get a piece printed, flyer printed and have have it addressed and stamped 
with postage and mailed to the member at their address of record is about a dollar apiece. Now, how many members we say we had? A million, right? Roughly, maybe a little more. Because you got to mail the retirees. They have a vote. Remember? They can vote for delegate now. They can run for delegate now. Kind of unfortunate they didn't this last time. So it takes a million dollars to put one piece of mail in everybody's hand. And being a political animal that I am, I know that it takes at least four to get them to be talking about you in a way that is, you know, more um, uh, regular rather than have you a foreign name. In other words, you know, somebody they don't know at all. So they, you know, you have to have them, you know, top conscious, and that takes about four mailings. Okay. That's just what it takes in order for them to be thinking about you as they cast their ballot. So to be successful, four or five million dollars needs to be expended for you or your slate. That's a lot of money. Where does it come from? One member in the past who aspired to the office of president of the International Union said that he wanted a couple rock stars to bankroll him, both Republicans. So they bring a political aspect to it, whether Republican or Democrat, I don't care. Anybody that brings outside political influence into our union is going to bring the same problems that we currently have. Okay, then who's eligible to run? Because right now there's no eligibility. Okay. The, the, the person who just got their seniority in the door can run for president of the International Union. Is that person qualified? That's up for you to decide. But I, I submit no, or not. If you check out my bio, it's like four pages long with everything that's on it. It's a lot. Okay, so, and there's others that have that. I'm not saying I'm the only one. Okay. But I did run for president, even though if you five years or ten years from now go and Google mainstream media, Detroit News Free Press, Toledo Blade, Flint Journal, my name shows up nowhere. But our team, we had a team that ran. And none of us show up anywhere in the mainstream media. So they'll say, oh, that never happened. I've had that said about a lot of things I've done. But that's a personal thing. So who's eligible is the question. And I submit that a person that runs for the International Executive Board ought to have at least one term on the local union executive board. So they actually know the flow of paperwork even. 
arguably they would have, you know, some amount of seniority as well or a certain age as well. Not to be discriminatory, but, make, you know, if somebody's, uh, you know, 50 and they only have five years, will they have this, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, maturity at 50? There's a lot of people that have the maturity at 35. But it takes maturity to negotiate, and you hear me talk about, about this, you know, and there's several types of negotiating out there, you know. I'm using the simple one, you know, just pretty simple. But there's very sophisticated things out there to negotiate. I know one brother uh, would, I, I did some committee work with him, and I explained to him what I was doing and the, the style of negotiating that I was using on this lake board. And within a year and a month, we went from absolute against everything we were doing, he was wanting to do, and I supporting him. Today, wanted to do everything that he was doing, and several of the board members resigned in disgrace when we were done with him after a year. He thanked me because he'd been working 20 years at it. That's the difference. Somebody that's uneducated, lacks maturity, doesn't understand negotiation, took 20 years and didn't get results. Insert a Leroy McKnight, 13 and arguably 13 and a half months. Some of them, they were all on board, and some of them just resigned in disgrace. One one is, has been, I believe, convicted of, or at least charged with a felony. We won't get into any of that. So, you know, we brought rain on them. We, you know, you bring the tools of the trade with you, and it takes experience to do that, seniority and or age. So should somebody be, you know, at least on the executive board? Yeah. Should they have a combination of some age uh, and seniority? Maybe I don't know. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, eliminate anybody out there. We got here. Somebody sent me. This is. Oh. Uh, they have a thing on fundraising here. Uh, yeah. They had some problems with their fundraising too. So they. They. They understood it. Uh, Tom, I'm, I can't read that whole thing, but thank you for that. But fundraising is a problem, uh, you know. So, And this, this person uh, was at later expelled from their union for illegal fundraising, and that's what we just talked about with this one person. I mean, I, 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 I told this person, you know, there's rules, <laughs> okay? You just don't go out there. Uh, the person told me, I know how to do this. Well, arguably, you screwed it up for everybody by putting your two cents in, and we got what we got still. Um, but there's rules, and you can't have outside people funding you. The money needs to come from inside or self-funded, okay? 
that's just the way it is. And then you have to set up the whole system to, to receive money and stuff. It's not as easy as one would think. So, you know, the one man, one vote, we or one person, one member, one vote, I keep, you know, I'm kind of still there, I guess, myself even, so we make mistakes. None of us are perfect here. So one member, one vote, okay, uh, and, yeah, we're good for a while. One member, one vote, but you have to have some some rules with it, okay? The fundraising, how do you do it? It has to be internal or self-funded. Who's eligible? You know, is, is it a combination of age and experience or age and uh, experience? You know, they're actually holding an office. We, we can't have people that are popular running our union. We need people that are qualified running our union. Okay? Somebody that has credentials. You know, a brother came to me at convention before it all got kitty wampus on us. And he came to me and he says, you know, everybody's on board in the, in the region to vote for you and your slate except one person. And that person, we don't know that they have, we were, you know, the hold up on voting for your your whole slate is just one person and nobody knows what the person did. And I threw out a couple things that I was told, turns out none of those were true. But, you know, again, the membership won't vote for you if you don't have experience. So if you set some nominal guidelines, nominal guidelines in there, so you have some experience and you have some maturity, because that's what it takes. Because, you know, they have master's degrees and PhDs, lawyers and accountants on their side. And we got to have some people that actually understand all of that. Okay, so that's kind of where that's at. So the answer is one member, one vote is better if we put some caveats in there. And that's going to be decided by the, the Department of Justice for us, if it comes to that. We don't know that for sure. So we're kind of ahead of this, you know, we're putting the, dog, the tail between the, the, the head of the dog. But at the same time, we need to start to be thinking about this stuff. Our union is an amazing organization. I love my union. I'd much rather be out there fishing or singing karaoke, or jogging down a bike uh, a, a, a path somewhere in the woods. Much rather be doing it. But guess what? I know the things that are bad, and they bother me. And because of that, I had to engage, just like every other person in our caucus, engage in trying to make it better. And we, not just those that are in the inner circle, but we have, you know, like a little onion as well. People kind of get closer and closer and develop trust over time and education over time. You know, I speak to young people that I love to, to educate every time I get the opportunity, and they suck it up like a sponge, and I'm thankful for that. And I talk to older people as well. 
know already, and some ask questions, and some give me advice and counsel, and I appreciate all of that just for me. But this isn't about me. It's about everyone in our union and making our union what it once was. When there's articles out there that say, a clean union no more, we used to pride ourselves in being the best union out there. We didn't have the issues that the Teamsters had and some other unions. You heard another union. This was in Hawaii, I think. It's just, you know, a local union out there that somebody got crossways. Seventy indictments. Seventy counts on the indictments. Amazing. We need to get everything in order. We start by holding them to account to enforce our Constitution on our collective bargaining agreement. That's what we do every week on this show. We've been doing it since probably March. We might miss it a show or two or three, but we come back to it and we reiterate it. Jeff does that amazingly well. You hear him do it a lot. And we're going to try and remind everybody of those every week between now and this thing will be, the whole thing being settled. And when it comes time to, that they're make it available, we'll break it down and see what, what it's all about. Like we did four years ago, Jeff and I and some others, broke the contract down and took a look at it and thought and see what we thought and we'll we'll make sure that we give you the best information we possibly can at that point so but uh, uh, you know there's precedent for when a union has a lot of trouble in it for being taken over and, and having a consent decree uh, both parties finally capitulate and agree that it's best that the Department of Justice take over for a while, and that's going to occur. You know, if we have what we see in our little crystal ball, that's probably going to happen, and a lot of people are already talking about it, so we thought we'd clear that up. But the one-member, one-vote isn't just as simple as that because you have to have, in a large, large union with a lot of money, you have to make sure that you have protections and some threshold to actually run for the office. Because right now, even under a delegate system, under a delegate system, convention or delegate convention, all you need to do is be a member. There's no qualifications. Okay? So, I mean, the membership that votes is pretty smart. They, I mean, they already expressed that in the 2008 18 convention because because we had a certain person on the ticket we lost that whole block I mean you could see the look on his face when I told him what, what was going on we lost the whole block the whole region was ready to vote for us go figure right and I'm not the only one that saw that conversation. I, I conducted it, but there were witnesses to it. Okay, so and of course the person that brought the the issue to us. Okay, so uh, Tom, I, I got long-winded there about uh, what one me- member one vote really means. But as you, I hope that answered your question about what could happen here. Uh, with our great union, 
uh, and you know it's it, it's like I I told in that last uh, last week's show. I said it's not my actions brought me here. Okay, I'm not talking about this because nobody's been indicted, and there's no, nothing on the horizon. Not my actions brought me here, brothers and sisters in leadership. You did. And you, because of your actions, are raising these questions and such conversations as a necessity. And that's sad. It's a sad commentary about you. So, okay. Um, Anything else, Tom? Did I cover that for you? Yeah, you did an excellent job with that, Leroy, and uh, you know where my vote's going. I don't think anybody would have any doubt where my vote would be going. That state of uh, people you had there at the Constitutional Convention would have been an excellent group of people, and I'm uh, sure that that would have effectively made the changes necessary, possibly, to call the dogs off. And I'll I'll tell you what. I'm a firm believer, just as you are, that uh, we should be able to police ourselves and the people that we put in these important positions should be obligated to us as the rank and file, the, the people who go out there and sweat on those shop floors every day, making sure that shit like this doesn't happen again. This contract that you're going to see come off of those tables, those hardworking uh, benefits reps that are representing us at the bargaining table, those uh, chairmen of local plants, uh, presidents, and so on and so forth, that came from those plant floors are going to do their damnedest. Because I've talked to a few of them a long time ago, prior to them even being elected to those uh, positions, and asked them what do they intend to do if they get the promotion to go in there and the privilege to negotiate a good agreement for our membership, the rank and file. And every one that I had the opportunity to talk to, I didn't talk to all of them, but the ones out there know who I am, and I know who they are, and I know they speak from the heart when they told me what they told me. Now, the, the, the key to this whole thing, brothers and sisters, when that contract comes out, look at it. Look at it. You'll know right off the bat if that's a good contract or a bad contract. And I'm going to tell you what, if these people that you, that they selected to negotiate this next collective bargaining agreement are going to have free wind at this thing, it's going to be a good agreement, but check it out. And, and, and that's my wish. I wish we could police this ourselves. I wish the FBI and the, and the justice department, they all go away, take a trip. Go someplace, let us handle this ourselves. But quite frankly, the question that I asked you, you answered it correctly. There are mechanisms, and I, too, hope it doesn't get to that. I hope we can handle this, and we'll find out. It's just around the corner, brother. Right. There's, You know, there there still remains the possibility that we could simply – you know, one of the articles have said, just please step down and 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 let you know some of the people that are really working at it, uh, you know, get the opportunity to run the union, that and clean it up. Because there's a lot of stuffs not even being said that we know about, and some of the other candidates don't even know about. 
okay, that needs to be corrected. Okay, and it, it's, I mean, if that were the case, that they just make them step down, we have another election, and the, the best person prevails, the most experienced, the most dedicated to, you know, fixing a problem. Aristotle said, problem defined is problem half solved. We've defined it already. We know what it is. We know. Our caucus knows what the problems are because, you know, when people come in over time, I educate them about the stuff that's out there. And I ask them, do you agree with this? And, of course, you know, the answer is obvious. Yeah. So having said that, uh, so the one man, one vote, and then, you know, if we just had an election, then the next opportunity, we could actually call a special convention if we did uh, send, and then we would simply change that aspect of the uh, Constitution to say one member, one vote. And we could call it a special convention for the purposes of changing under the federal law to a different method. That's simple enough to do, and you can narrow it to that, and that would be, you know, part of the campaign promises, I guess. You know, you, you, you're making sure that you, you get that done. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan, uh, a total fan, one member, one vote. I, you know, I'm, and I, some of the other leaders out there, I've talked to them about we got to make sure we don't open it up and have illegal monies coming in or we have people that are just popular but, you know, don't know how to run anything. Uh, so let's just, uh, uh, just make sure we do it right when we do it because it is coming. It's coming, believe me. Uh, so let me uh, ask Jeff. Jeff, did you have any more comment on this this matter? No, they already did a real job. No, we know okay. what's going on. Right. You guys were, you know, everybody's, yeah, the firms that you, you know, you you know about the issues behind the scenes because I, you know, I I do a lot of research and we find these things and other people bring them to me sometimes, but you know, then I. Uh, make sure everybody's aware of all these other elements of the onion that are out there. Uh, and, you know, the onions, Tom's, ver, you know, his vernacular is best, you know, as the onion unpeels because there's, there's a lot more. So, and we're not getting into that because we're not destroying our union. We're trying to make it better, okay? And we're not going to affect the con- uh, contract by talking about this beyond what's being said tonight. We want to make put pressure on the teams and the IEB that has to approve it to make sure that the Constitution of the UAW is enforced on this collective bargaining agreement. And there are ramifications if it's not, according to the Constitution. Okay? It's that simple. That's not a threat. We're just going to do it. So you do your job. And from all indications, and we have people talking to people, and let me tell you, nothing's being said specifics. People are saying we're doing a good job. We understand what's going on out there with the membership. We understand it all. Some people are feeling more pressure from us 
that maybe they they should be, because just do your job. Just do your job. That's all we're asking. But the people are saying we're doing our job. That's the feedback we're getting, and that's I mean anybody tells you you're, they're hearing more, it's full of shit. Quite frankly, okay. Just know that they're out there and they're upholding everything that we're talking about, others are talking about, and trying to do the right thing by the membership, okay? And uh, so let's just keep keep pushing down that road, okay? So on any subject, anything that, you know, at all, uh, would you like to say any more, Tom, on anything? No, uh, I'm fine with what... Uh what's transpired tonight because those questions have been asked if you uh, have uh, browsed through the uh, group pages out there and uh, I think you did a very fine job of clarifying a lot of this stuff for a lot of people and and, uh, your wealth of information Leroy when you get out there and and start talking uh, about uh, what we can do as a union our rank and file and uh, People really are either afraid to pull that trigger or whatever. But I know somebody, uh, a few folks that aren't afraid to pull that trigger and and run it up the flagpole. Yeah, I know. Uh, And that's that's a proverbial pull the trigger because we're not shooting nobody. (laughs) Thank you, Tom. Well, there there are people out there that, uh, you, you know, use that vernacular. I know it's okay. Yeah, I know. I know some others that actually have threatened people's lives. You know, so uh, at least one for sure. Um, so, in uh, uh, publicly, by the way. Uh, so, Jeff, do you have anything at all to talk about uh, as we close and wind the show down here? No, just you know, there's a lot of things going on, um, and everybody knows that. It's- all out in public right now, most of it is, as far as FBI investigating the IAB and everything. Um, as far as contracts go, just sit tight, people. Just, you know, it'll come out when the time's right. Um, don't pay attention to the rumors. Um, just sit tight. We'll get through this. And, uh, yes, we will. We will continue yes, to uh, enforce our 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 opinions on what how things should be done. So, so I could say, right? Okay, thank you, Jeff. By the way, we get a lot of affirmation for our position to hold and enforce the Constitution. Many members, and uh, probably I should have made it into an email, but we didn't, or a message. But many members. Uh, in our communication, uh, say thank you for uh, uh, you know enforcing the Constitution on our collective bargaining agreement, and so we have a lot of support for that. And of course, it benefits a lot of people. The, the temporaries that they're they're just being disabused beyond the pale, and I, I'm just sick of it, absolutely sick of it. Um, and and everybody knows those. Okay, I want to just re- reiterate on the one member, one vote we got to make sure that we watch the methods of funding, okay? We want to make sure that people are qualified 
and experienced when they run for international office of our international union, even local union office, but that's where you get your experience. The international is a different breed of cat, okay? You need people there that are sharp negotiators, okay, and leaders that are sharp in directing negotiators, okay? So make sure that when it comes time that we put a couple of caveats in that one member, one vote, okay, because it could be just as bad as what's going on. You get outside money into this, beholden to outside parties, even under the table, okay, and you're going to have a problem, okay? And we, you know, uh, we work to try and fix problems around here a lot. So, but thank you for everything. I mean, I, I, I get a lot of accolades. I had one today uh, in particular from a young man who said thank you, and he appreciates all that I do, but I don't do this by myself, brother. Okay, there's a whole team of people that even what goes into every show. Okay, in fact, tonight's show, tonight's topic came from Tom, not me. I, you know, I told him this exists. He said, "We well, yeah, have that on the show." I said, "Okay." So it's not just me. There's a whole team of people around here, and there's people in the switchboard listening, people, you know, that have indicated to me that they're listening live on their on their computer, but not didn't call in tonight, but still still on there. So we appreciate everybody uh and thank you. Uh and as we close the show after almost two hours, thank you for the listener for listening to us and paying attention enough that you uh inspire us to do more next time. Thank you very much. I want to thank our listeners globally. You know, we we got, I I can't tell you how many nations listen to our show. I think it's up where 50 different nations are listening. It's beyond, I think there's like 40 in the the, uh, report, and then you got to click for more, and there's got to be another 10 or 12 there when you click for more. So thanks to global listeners. Thanks to our Mexico and to our Canadian listeners, all our U.S. Union and non-Union listeners. Thanks to all of our UAW listeners especially, because our our union is in distress. We're going to fix this. We're going to get it fixed. Others are going to fix it for us maybe, but it's going to get better. It really will. And then we're going to have the leverage, leverage, that we need to go after these corporations even more. And there's some other side things going on, not necessarily associated with our union, but some of the members, what they want to do that are really, really cool that could affect our whole country. So we'll see where that goes. We just don't know yet. Um, You know, for next week, have fun and stay safe. And God bless each and every one of you, whoever your God may be. May that God bless you. Good night, listeners. Good night, Tom, and good night, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night, Tom. Good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.